0: Jake, who I love very much, is a very good friend of mine, was like, uh, you know, your work is very weird.
1: (laughs) Hello and welcome to Did I Do That? It's a show about the mistakes that we make on the way to making graphic design because it's all part of the process. I'm Sean Schumacher and joining me today... A very special guest. Uh, for over 15 years, he's run studios and managed distributed teams. I'm going to retake that. Oh, boy, you're the... doing that one? I'm...
0: Oh, you're reading that one. I don't know. Oh, that's my professional face. Do you
1: not want that No, one? no, no,
0: no, you absolutely can. No, 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 there's nothing in there to hide. It's just right. that is my professional, like, uh, like if I had it on a card, I'd be like... <laughs>
1: <laughs> nice to meet you. Uh, yeah, because this is a highly professional show. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you've noticed I love from it. the piles of garbage around us. I love it. Uh, well, for over 15 years, he's run studios and managed distributed teams on work that unites creative direction, user experience, and product innovation at Upstatement, Verso, and Uncorked. He was the co-founder and principal of the award-winning design and technology studio Rumors. It's Andy Pressman. Hi. uh, Hi, Andy. Hello. Um, Hi, Sean. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Thank you for coming to uh, Dog Poop Central, as we are now calling... Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, so I, I wanted to start us out um, with a, a actually a great news item that just came across my desk uh, just yesterday. This is a, a headline from uh, Starbucks HQ. This is breaking news from Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks brewing revolutionary Web 3 experience for its Starbucks rewards members terrifying
0: uh, I was I thought we might be talking about Starbucks
1: offering all kinds of <laughs> amazing benefits to em-
0: employees that' are not going to unionize no they they're, they're, they're not interested in that. Not, I, I have so I actually have very little to say about web3 it's gonna be <laughs> shocking to you. <laughs> I'm much more prepared to talk about unionization efforts than Web3. Okay.
1: uh, Then maybe.
0: No, but keep going. I'm ready. I'm ready. It's because of how little I have to say that I want to hear more about
1: it. Well, get ready to embark on a Starbucks Odyssey, Andy. Oh, no. Um, Because Starbucks Odyssey uh, is the new experience that will offer members the ability to earn and buy digital collectible stamps, NFTs. I've heard of them. That will unlock access to new. Immersive coffee experiences. As one of the first companies to integrate NFTs with an industry-leading loyalty program at scale, Starbucks will create an accessible Web3 community that will enable new ways to engage with members and partners. Parentheses, employees. (laughs) Um, So, I do want to back up a little bit to the great phrase, new immersive coffee experiences, which what could that possibly mean? So, I have an idea. Yeah. Um, have you ever been to Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania? <laughs> I have
0: not. It's an amusement park for Hershey chocolate. Great. And you sit on a, you know, it's a moving bench and you're taken through a fake factory and you see the Hershey Kisses dance and so forth.
1: And do I, do, 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 I, do, I like to imagine
0: oh, this is the, this is the, I was like, "Hey, <laughs> Um, uh, There's so much lead up to get to that part. Well, just the idea of being taken through the Starbucks, um, the world of Starbucks in Starbucks, Seattle on a little chair uh, (laughs) is the only immersive experience I care about. (laughs) I assume that Starbucks is like many of the larger companies has like an entire Web3 slash like metaverse division that is populating these emptied like husks within whatever bullshit moo exists for the metaverse almost certainly yeah and and i assume that that's where i would be able to collect and and distribute and trade and swap possibly even train and fight uh, my
1: (laughs) starbucks stamps. you're training your coffees yeah i've got the i caught this rare shiny psl you gotta uh and i need to level it up yeah,
0: you got to catch them all, and that's the beautiful new positioning for Starbucks. I mean, I don't know. I think it's all going to be a comical thing that we look back on as mostly a fad because the ways that those things are going to impact us are things that we're not actually talking about or thinking about right now.
1: Well, it's. It, I think the thing that really fascinated me about this story, I, the Web3 component, just the idea that this is – an nft immersive coffee experience first of all made me think of being dipped in coffee which Mm -hmm. i i i would certainly prefer not to do especially at the temperatures that starbucks seems to Mm -hmm. think coffee needs to be at but also just like i have a little step tracker on my phone and when i do the number of steps that it likes it gives me a little metal Mm. I can't sell that metal. That metal's not worth any money. Mm. And as far as I can tell from reading this press release, neither are these digital collectible stamps. So how is it web3? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean I The I, thing about NFTs is you can sell them in theory. In theory is I would and, I would underscore it. And if that. you're just getting them from buying coffee, then that's That's just the little medal that you get for doing your steps.
0: (laughs) Right. Are they gamifying your coffee experience? (laughs) I think
1: that the
0: hope there is that you will... um, Okay, when I was growing up, my sister and other people bought, like, Starbucks cups from the different Starbucks they went to. Oh,
1: yes, the little city. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing. And I imagine that this is
0: just... It's that, but in a different form. Yeah. You weren't going to, like, sell your Starbucks cups, presumably. You were collecting them to show that you'd be... You weren't even doing it. It's, it's like an impulse that you were... It's part of the death drive, really, uh, for, for <laughs> teens, tweens, young adults. And I think that that is really what this is. But I also think that there's, like, a gap in... There would need to be another infrastructure, another space... Built where these things were displayed and shown, and I think people are assuming that that will either be, you know, Facebook or something like Facebook for any of this stuff to matter. Because otherwise, you have this like balkanized, like explosion of digital experiences that you own or have contributed to, but nowhere to put them. So really, all this is—I mean, it's, I don't know—it's so easy for me to like ignore this as noise. I don't think it's going to—it it, like has no impact on me. Or people, it's an exhaustive waste of time. I mostly think about the people
1: working on it. Yeah. Who have to, like, labor on it. And that... Just that, like, oh, useless work. The, the poor people at Meta who had to redesign their entire virtual world after people made fun of Mark Zuckerberg standing in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah. I, I mostly <laughs> I, like, think about Like, one
0: weekend. I think about the, like, the useless. The, the, it's not useless. The, like, the labor that could be put towards other things that's being put towards these ends. And I think about the unionization efforts. I think about those two things. The last thing I think about is, in truth, the Web3 component. It's just uh, noise. It's noise
1: in the air. Um, but yeah, so uh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. What got you into design initially? I drew a lot as a kid. Um, I liked
0: comics a lot. And I liked thinking about the way that whether I, I i don't think I thought about it this way, but this was what I was thinking about was the way that you would create meaning from word and picture together. I was like, movies. I mean, anything about, like, visual storytelling was something that that hooked me. Yeah. Um, And then as a kid, I would, like, I'd make posters whenever I could for class projects or whatever, just because I thought there was something about that object that, like, uh, that conveyed a kind of meaning and realness in the world.
1: Like, posters were real. Oh, yeah. this thing was real. Do you, like, have any memories of, like, posters that were really impactful? That I drew or that I saw? Uh, Either one. Um, I remember, like, the the things that I made. I
0: had made posters in class for like a future car, like Futuro two thousand, and then like labeled all the things. Oh in the yeah, car, yeah, yeah, things like that. Um, anyway, the kid yeah, businesses, yeah, oh. kid businesses. I was, I was very um, more entrepreneurial as a child than I am as an adult. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, you, you aren't dealing so much with the downside of capitalism at that <laughs> it's age. True. I was just excited about inventing future car. Yeah, and so I was interested in that, and then I went to. I, you know, continued doing that through high school, but didn't think about it, not seriously, in terms of, like, studying it. Went to school and studied history for a year and oh. then
1: dropped out to go to art school. Wanted to sort of recommit what, to art school. What was the pivot? Like, I mean, what got you into history, first of all? Oh, just lack of any
0: clear thing for anything else. I thought I would study, like, Chinese history, and I took Chinese lessons, mandarin lessons and it was oh shit oh it's fucking hard oh, it's a hard I language can't spanish let alone like, <laughs> no, genuinely <laughs> i took spanish for a um yes yeah, so, and I, I wasn't happy in i you know i really should have taken a year between high school and college just to like kind of do nothing but work and instead i went to school and i just didn't know what i was doing so it was as much about like pausing that trajectory as it was knowing that i wanted to like stop studying history and study like art and but when I went to school, at that point, I had become convinced that design was, like, the way to pursue that sort of meaning-making, doing cool things. Probably when I was, like, 18, it was about doing cool things. And by the time I got out of school, it was about, like, meaning-making, you know? Yeah. That was my – that was the arc of, like, what design was for me.
1: Well, and then I feel like that's also such a common, like, you start out because you you want to make something because mm. you have this urge and this drive and – by the time you get out of school you you're like oh actually design is like solving problems and like
0: yeah and i still like i recognize in myself that when i do anything it is a project it's like i, I if i'm going to do anything it's going to become a project there's a uh, the composer nico Muli Muli. i'm not sure how to pronounce his last name has a had a blog for a long time and wrote a post that always stayed with me about the way that everything he does he has a hard time separating his work from his like the things you know cleaning or the kitchen or making a meal yeah um and i have very much that impulse oh absolutely and so that was for me design was a way to pursue that professionally yeah um so at cooper union in new york city in the art school there weren't programs as such like you didn't you weren't gonna like study design you just sort of took classes oh just like generalized build your own degree yeah. type of thing yeah, yeah yeah and everybody got an art degree so i you know was able to take design and typography but also like um video and and drawing and um sculpture and such and so my approach in school was always very multi multi multi-varied um and that sort of became my career too when i got out was like not thinking of design as being like a particular mode of work but instead more of a like thought process that carried through many things
1: interesting like, what What kind of inspired that? Oh, well, I don't know. Um, was that just, like, kind of the generalized, like, here are, here are toolkits to do this, that, and the other? Or? Yeah,
0: maybe. Um, I, I was disenchanted with, well, I will say I was very inspired at the time by things going on in New York while I was in school and getting out of school, which was, like, I, I had been disenchanted with the sort of design industry and didn't really want anything to do with it and didn't really want anything to do with like the AIGAs of the world at the time. And instead in New York, one of my professors was like, oh, you should see, you should meet my friend and colleague, David Reinfurt. He has this magazine called Dot Dot Dot. Um, Go talk to him about like work. I think you'd you'd, you'd like him. And I went, not knowing what any of this stuff was. And he was very incredibly kind and has always been a very kind and thoughtful person. And, like, met me and, and was like, okay, well, do you want to show me your work? I was like, oh, I didn't bring any work. I just thought we were going to talk. <laughs> and he really liked that. And I that always stayed with me, like, that, that feeling that, like, oh, like, uh, this isn't necessarily about, like, that kind of work as the focus, but instead the, like, thinking and dialogue as focus. Yeah. Um, and I've always felt that way. I've never – this is part of a longer thread, but, like, when I was in school, I used to think a lot about there being this, like, spectrum – of design where on the one end of the pole you had like surface like people who were very formal and you could see their style and understand that they had like a hand that they brought to things yeah um and on the other was this idea of like systems and system design and that that was more like oh you could see there's sort of like thought process in the way that they organized things and i always felt even though i like have a tendency to illustrate when i'm at my laziest. I always felt more inclined towards the system end of, of design, and I think that probably stays there. It's I feel like my work. I was, I had a show. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for work now. I was, I'm, I'm not running a studio anymore, and I was showing my work to someone, and they asked me if I could like articulate what my style was, and I just, I, I really draw a blank. Um, I think that there's a, some through lines in it when I look at it, but I don't. I struggle to um, – I think my work, like, in mass, sort of, like, is like, oh, right, that's a body of work. But looking at a few things together doesn't necessarily feel like the same person made it.
1: Yeah. Which is I, – I mean, I don't think that's uncommon for the kind of work that you do, too. True. Like,
0: Definitely with the, like, the um, bigger digital stuff.
1: Yeah. Like, when you're working with clients, like, especially, like, some of the clients that you've worked for, like, you know – they're going to want specifically tailored things that are their own sort of texture. Right, that's an interesting idea.
0: Yes, I think that there is I think another way to put that is that I'm usually thinking about the audience before I think about the like the the artistry. Yeah. And so the context matters more in some ways than the design i've just never been well suited for certain kinds of work
1: well but i i mean i I think that's what the core of graphic design is like that's what distinguishes i mean not to get back into this conversation which (laughs) i know i've had a million times on the show but i think that's what distinguishes us from from the art world is like there is i think there is a focus on audience that Mm -hmm. at Mm -hmm. its core should be in mm-hmm. design for yeah. it to be successful.
0: Yes, but. I, I think I have a yes, but there, which is that I also think that, I think that's entirely true. Give me that but. The but here is that I think at times the focus of the audience leads towards highly stylized, is coded with style work, mm. where you, you do something in a certain way, partly because the context, you trust that the audience can read that, sort of coded style and understand the context it exists within going back to that idea of like surface versus system. If you think about like a very surface oriented, like a very stylized designer whose work very much shows like their hand, I think that they're working towards certain audiences and trusting that certain audiences will be able to like read and position that work within a framework of culture. And that that is still very much about audience driven design work.
1: But it's it's a lot more surface level.
0: It's it's very
1: visual, very, formal. Yeah. it's like a, a, it's very close to painting. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, to get us back on track, so you're 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 getting out of school. You're getting out of Cooper Union. Mm-hmm. Um, you're feeling a little disenchanted with with the design world. Like,
0: yeah, disenchanted. I I guess that is true. Although it was also very like I was young enough that that feeling was was. Maybe broader, maybe more societal. I love that, too. <laughs> right, 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 right. But also, like, a, a, a sense of, like, self-certainty. Like, that, like, oh, I'm oh, doing the right thing. Oh, and, you know, so so it wasn't... To like have this self-certainty. Yeah, right. Oh, wow. That would be lovely. What a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a... You know, I worked for a couple professors at Cooper Union. Not not my professors, but people I had met at Cooper Union. And wasn't a good fit. I really want to talk and think through work. I want to, like be a collaborator that's for me part of what design is Yeah, and have always sort of needed that experience and so when I don't get it I feel a little bit adrift and I learned that early on I also though I mean speaking of mistakes like I didn't I was like oh it's my job like I, I you know I had quit jobs before but those jobs were like uh, sweeping floors in a movie theater you know working at like video rental places working at a bookstore um, I this was my first like career job and it was sort of like I was too scared to quit it was a bad fit, but I didn't know that I could just sort of quit. Yeah. And instead I kept working there until I was fired. And that Ooh. could have come earlier. Well, that's okay. It was good. I should have been fired earlier. They didn't know they could fucking fire me. <laughs> it took them two years to fire me. It was a really bad fit. Sort of mutually assured yeah, destruction yeah, yeah. there. And I mean, God, they sh- we sh- it should have ended much earlier. Um going back I would have I would have left after a year it was just not a good fit and I could do other things but I didn't realize it and it did take me a while to figure out what to do next I like didn't know how to get work I had done freelance work but um more for like not at scale yeah not like it was going to be my career and so I was like do I like look on craigslist do I go on monster.com you know <laughs> um took on a ton of really stupid work like constantly getting fired from those things because i was trying to like design my way through it and they just needed a like salsa label you know <laughs> and i get it they wanted a salsa label and i, I was not a good fit for that
1: what were you trying to do to the salsa label i don't
0: know man. i just wanted it to look like a good salsa label <laughs> um they wanted it to look like it had like probably the time they wanted it to have some kind of cool hand stamped grunge type. And I was like, no, we don't do grunge type. That's bullshit. <laughs> um,
1: it's already
0: salsa I, from New York City, New York which York we City, know from the commercials. I have a, I have a is lot of criminal. opinions. I have opinions about both salsa and grunge type. Um, <laughs> I worked in an architecture firm for a while doing design stuff. Absolutely no grunge type there, I'm guessing. No, and that was. Architects do not enjoy that look. No, they like you know overly thin weights of Helvetica. Um, they hate serifs. They They're too. allergic to serifs. They really do. Um, and again, it was sort of I mean that was less of a bad fit, bad fit, and more of like sure I'll do this work for a while. Yeah. And then in feeling 2000, out. yeah, I was feeling it out. And in 2008, I started a studio with two friends called Rumors, and that was the start of my like proper career. I think.
1: What sort of work were you doing in the
0: early days? Oh, sort of all over the place, but it was the stuff that like we really started to grow was web work, websites and applications, but a lot of like New York times op-ed stuff, like the stuff that like New York design studios did. Yeah. Books for art organizations, brands for this and that. But the work that was the most sustainable, you know, we started the studio in the summer of 2008 and then, like Lehman Brothers, like collapses two weeks, three weeks later, like all that stuff starts happening. Yeah, it's a great, a great fun time. It was terrifying for a, a half a year, but um, we were also well positioned in that we were younger. So, we, we, you know, cheaper, didn't know how much we could or should charge and also probably couldn't charge that much more than we did at the time. And we made websites. And so you had these large companies that would previ- previously have spent half a million to more uh, dollars on on print like mailers and things over the course of a year. Being like, oh, we'll spend thirty thousand dollars on a website, less at times, and so we did that, and that was really you know that sustained us and helped us build clients. And then from that, we started. We had you know, w- I had two co-founders, um, still good friends of mine, Holly and Renda. Holly left pretty early on and moved to the West Coast. Renda and I then worked ran the studio together until two 2002- thousand I think, when she left for the Times. But in between then, when Renda was there, she and I had very similar ideas about what the web could do, like how you would think about a
1: website and 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 an interactive experience. And that, Um, I mean, that was such a fruitful time, too, because, I mean, 2008 is the iPhone launch Mm -hmm. as well. So there's this whole other idea. The web is not just a thing that's like... On your computer at your office. Now it's like, whoa. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> pocket Web. That's true. You, you didn't have. You didn't see like responsive design
0: for a bit still. No. But yeah, you did have Pocket Web. Um, and you also like it was a really it was a time before um, going back to this idea of, of these like larger companies building um, you know the metaverse or whatever else they want to build that's like effectively out cloistered gated community AOL 2.0 yeah it was a very distributed kind of internet like everything was still like websites were sort of free-floating and you would think like the way the place so to speak that something lived online was primarily on its website rather than distributed across these social media giants
1: and it was really really easy to like I mean that was where I started too like you know I was just this kid who built a website for his university art department to think that like I could just do that.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One person. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was
1: absolutely within reach.
0: Yeah. You could teach yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you still can to a certain degree. I want to say this actually like emphatically. You can absolutely teach yourself to do really cool things. It is harder to like be a professional at school scale is like, one person and do things of a certain size that wouldn't be better off done as a Squarespace site or similar.
1: Yeah, and it's also become specialized, too, in a way that, like, you know, web designer was the title of a role. (laughs) And that just does not exist
0: fundamentally anymore. Yeah, a lot of that got melted into other things. Yeah. Um, Maybe for good. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good that people think about content strategy, for instance. Like, all, all that stuff is very useful and important. And it shows the way that we take these things seriously. But if you're doing work on your own at this point, it is it is most likely of a more intimate scale. Yeah. Because you really can. It's just become commodified. Like you can have a good website via Squarespace or some other thing with ease. Anyway, um, so I did that. And then during that time. So along that. Right. So we were doing mostly interactive work at a certain point. But then there was this other sort of thread of work that I was doing, which was book and magazine design. Um, sort of straight up until rumors closed. Even was doing book design
1: work. What what had gotten you into books? Was that something that started at Cooper or like? No, I mean I've um I've always liked book
0: covers. I've,
1: I mean I've always been a I've always
0: liked books. Books are good. Books are good. Thumbs I like,
1: up. Thumbs up. Books. My my
0: my review for books is A plus. <laughs> Would buy again. I like to read, and I liked. Um, there was a certain like kind of book that I used to obsess over, which were like weird. Not weird. Um, usually not American philosophy or like political texts would often have really like what were to me captivating and like idiosyncratic covers, although I would later learn that these were like standardized. Like This was like the entire... Like German publishing line would have this kind of a cover. Oh, at, really? And I was like,
1: oh, these are so beautiful. They're so like aggressive and like, and you know, they're um, just some guy cutting things apart and taping them down, and probably I got probably ten minutes fat, to do this fat. one. Oh, god.
0: <laughs> No, uh, fortunately, not quite that, like, cavalier. There was, there was definitely, like, a lot of thought in it, but it was, like, a system. It was very normal, in other words, to like for books to look that way in that context, whereas here, when I would see them on the bookshelf, they were like, what the fuck is that? They <laughs> they're were, they're, they're like, otherworldly to me. Um, they would often be, like, almost entirely typographic, like, really stripped down. Um, so I was interested in that work, we had desk spaces in Dumbo, Brooklyn, which at the time was a real, like, for various reasons of real estate, um, there was someone who had been leasing out offices to publishers over for longer leases and fairly cheap money. And so there was a lot of publishers, independent publishers or smaller presses that were in Dumbo that I would meet. One of them was Melville House, did some work for them, and then through them at, like, some event, met the managing
1: director of Verso Books. Which was, like, a pretty... Pretty major academic publisher yeah. at the yeah, time. Yeah, they've been around since 1968. They were they're the world's,
0: like, most, in the English language anyway, notable, radical publisher. So yeah. politics, philosophy, economics, um, yeah, anything like that, gender, queer studies. The managing director, Jake, and I, like, you know, we just were talking, and I was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a book designer. I'd love to do book covers for you. And he said, oh, come come on by tomorrow. You know, let's talk about it. Oh. And oh. So, <laughs> but I had not done book covers, so I had to go home and, like, design
1: book covers really quick overnight. Oh, so you had to put together an overnight portfolio. I did. yes. Oh, my God. And so
0: I made use of a bunch of different things from different times and turned them into book covers and did a really quick, like, mocked up a quick series of stuff that, I you know, I, I had a lot of ideas about the way that things should be designed Bopping in my head already, so it wasn't hard to like invent a journal that I would like design the covers for overnight. <laughs> um, because they were like, I, I, just I would have rules like for the journal. It was like, okay, issue one was like one dot, and issue two was like two dots, and I made a line. Issue three was three Wait, dots. You're the triangle. doing
1: multiple issues of this journal in one night, also.
0: <laughs> well, it was a really simple system that I built for myself. Uh, yeah, it was.
1: still, Jesus. And so I came in the next day and
0: I showed him my book book my you know that's what we used to call it showed him some samples from my portfolio my fake overnight portfolio your book book my book book and he invited me to design book covers for them that starting with a series called the radical radical thinkers series where they had a really deep library of uh, books right they've been publishing for 50 plus years yeah and they repackaged them with these covers that were i in my opinion pretty terrible and you know the, the designer had they parted ways with the designer and they needed a new designer and he's like all right you know can you pick this up and like maybe update it a little um and i just hated it so i just like started it over <laughs> i was like here's what your here's what your I mean,
1: system should be oh wow i tried to open the file it was corrupted it's so sad <laughs> no, Weird. That was very forthright i was uh, like these are really bad <laughs> here's why these are bad um, <laughs> and oh, so you I, even went into the explanation. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's oh, yeah. part of the sell, ultimately. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: I'm always, I i am at my best if I'm working with people who are thoughtful and want to, like, discuss the reasons for things. And so talking about the why is as important as talking about the what. So uh, one thing that I pitched them on was, like, you know, usually when you have a book cover, you have either, like, fine art, like, you know, classic art. This yeah. Verso has, you know, classic art with type, and that is fine, but also, like, no one will look at it. You no, know, it's, it looks intended for an audience. The
1: most dry and academic a thing could look. Sure. And, and
0: oh, and, and a sort of critical part of the, the why here was that they were trying to reposition themselves for an American trade audience and wanted to bring in new readers. And so it was like, well, you know, you can't bring in new readers if you go this route. And the other thing that you're doing is you're taking the like a core argument or a thing within the book and you're showing it in like the most literal way possible on the cover. Like here is, you know, the, you Photoshop like um, a taxi cab upside down on fire. And that's the, the title of the book is like, why taxi cabs are upside down and on fire. Like, it's, <laughs> like there's no like, I want to read this book. There's no, there's no like, there's no point. And so I, I, you know, my pitch was like, well, what we can do is build the sort of poetics of design where the, the cover, the art, is not, like, immediately understood. It's a little bit more, like, evocative and mysterious and, and sort of, like, challenges the the reading. It's going to it's gonna confuse rather than, like, illuminate, and that's okay because the thing is basically a uh, an enticement to pick the book up. Yeah. No one's going to, like, learn the book from the cover. Anyway, it was a success. It, it went well, and, you know, I did another volume, and then they had me do some other books for them, and those covers kept being killed, like, kept being killed. Oh. And then finally I was like, look, I can't keep designing for you because I don't think you have you don't know how to work with designers. and I meant this in the most generous way. I probably said this in a better way. But like, you know, there's a process to, to, to design where you have an idea and the idea is worked on and it, it's very rarely the same thing at the end as what it was when it started. It yeah. has to get there. Um, and they didn't have anyone on design. They didn't have a design department. They had a production department who would usually be the one to coordinate with the designer. But that person couldn't like talk about the design work of the process. Oh, that's a good, that's good. It was hard. And so I was like, what you need, first off, I was like, I quit because I had to quit. And I was like, you know what you need is you really need a, a design director, an art director who's like in this role. And I was like, you know, you should just hire me. And he was like, uh, I don't, Jake, who I love very much, is a very good friend of mine, was like, uh, you know, we, your work is very weird and <laughs> We're trying, we're trying to break into the trade market and it's very important that we like expand it to, to have to have, like you know more and so I was like okay okay a little bit you know let me pick out like 12 designers that I think would be good could do good covers for you and I'll, I'll show I'll do a presentation and so I did and I you know I thought about people that I knew who did good work and I thought about people who were like people whose design I admired but I didn't think we would get them for Verso like Peter Mendelssohn or um, David Pearson and showed them as part of it and then also like younger designers who were like you know fresh out of school like eric carter like people i, I knew and i was like this is the kind of mix we could we could work with and they, they were invested and that was how that started and then i started commissioning books and that went on for a very long time
1: that's incredible um, yeah 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 but it was
0: like it was only i mean i think it it worked and it was only like reasonable of me to do it because they needed it and they knew that they needed it. It yeah. wasn't like I was like, hire me to do a thing you don't need for money that you can't afford. It was as a designer working for them. I was like, oh, you have a problem in your in your process. Like, let's talk about it Here, and here's how I could
1: solve it. You're thrashing around. You're not accomplishing anything. And
0: you're burning out. Yeah. The designers you're working with are burning out.
1: Are, at, at all these covers that they're killing also, are they paying you the kill fee for them? Yeah, they paid me the kill fee. So they're, uh, they're losing money <laughs> constantly. <laughs> just hand over fist constantly. with every one of these yeah, ideas. Yeah, they were, that, was a, that was a steady
0: reprise. Wow. Yeah, yeah,
1: they desperately needed help. <laughs> no, it was
0: bad. It was bad. And, they wrecked, and the guy who was their um, production coordinator, like he hated doing the work. Ooh. Like he wanted somebody else to do the work. Yeah, I don't have the swagger to like walk into somebody's room and be like, you know what you need. <laughs> um, it was only that like they to it was, pull it was your sunglasses known, down. Right, exactly. Um, no, it was it was a it was a known problem, and I had in mind a way to solve it.
1: Now I know you brought in you brought in your iPad, it which did appears I, to be in better shape than my iPad. Um, <laughs> it, it hasn't been sat on. Say, oh, you think. <laughs> um,
0: it doesn't have see, it
1: doesn't uh, have the characteristic at this point
0: I'll show like an bending. example of so partly I'm bringing this here because you know when I when I noted that Jake was like oh your your work's a little bit um, we can't. You can't design all our covers because you have bad taste. Effectively, <laughs> well, well, I mean, in a in a generous way, like your work is weird. I'm going to show you a little bit about like what that I meant. I'm so eager. I I'm so hungry things. for it. Well, now I have to find these stupid things. Um, <laughs> files on my i. I saved it oh, via the, the like files app folder rouse. Or hey, over. Apple,
1: the Files app
0: stinks. Yeah, it's it's really... real bad. Okay, okay. So, like, here is a um, example of a book cover that was killed that, um, was... They said that nobody could look at it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's It's got a certain eye-searing quality, though, that I feel like is very so, in vogue right now. Yeah, I mean, I all my work is <laughs> good, Sean. Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, so this is... <laughs> This was, the book was the Verso book of Descent, and I thought that I would pick the two colors that would be most, like, aggressively in Descent with one yeah. another. So the are ba- you, is this supposed to be printed, like, spots, no, like, Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it's a fluorescent red background and a fluorescent, like, blue. Imagine the most high-contrast blue-red combo, very light, aggressive blue
1: you can think of. Just like you're wearing 3D glasses and, like, lasers are shining into your eyes through them. So they said I couldn't do that, and that was fine. And then I did. I, a, I, I think that's their loss because oh, that I, thing would stand I, the hell out on a shelf. Completely
0: agree. And then I was like trying to be a design director shortly thereafter, and I didn't know how to be a good design director at the time. I would, I would, didn't know how to yet advocate enough for my designers. So, like, here's an example. This is a book that was designed by. Um, I'm just not going to say their name because they w- didn't want their name on the cover for a reason I'm going to state in a moment. Oh. Which is, (laughs) it's called The Rhetorical Foundations of Society by Laclau. And the cover is like these brick forms. And then in each one, there's the different word of the title, The Rhetorical Foundations, in a different typeface. And the intent was that this was like a mock-up that they had made to demonstrate an idea. And like, I just was like, sure. Oh yeah, show We'll show the mock-up and it's fine. We'll change it when it goes to production. And then it's going to production. And then, like, first I was like, no, we don't time. And instead of being like, absolutely not, we have to change it, I was. I went back. I was like, oh, we can't change it. And they were furious. And I get it. They were furious. And those, their name isn't on it. Um, I made a bunch of mistakes like that early on. I, I didn't know. I had never worked doing this work before in any context. I, I hadn't been an art director at a newspaper. I hadn't
1: worked at a publishing house.
0: So a lot of that stuff was just learning on the go. Yeah,
1: too. Like, I think that is kind of an important lesson, too, about why you don't give yeah, that workable too. files <laughs> before the
0: final round. It's true. But I, uh, I
1: felt very responsible. Definitely a lesson I've
0: learned. I had told them I could do it. And I, then I showed them I couldn't, and it was a bummer.
1: Well, that's sometimes how it goes. Yeah, like, it is sometimes how it goes. I mean, I've learned
0: so much from mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> I had once... <laughs> I know that this. I, I, I came with mistakes in pocket once. I Well, had, you're in the right place, my I, friend. I was working on a book. This was at that first studio that I had said I was fired from for being a bad fit. I may also have been a bad employee and designer, so there's <laughs> other reasons. There's a book we'd well, been you working on. We were engaged on. in a Cold War with them. I absolutely was. So, we'd been working on a book for a long time, and then the day came to send it to, to press, and I realized that the print size had been different that it was all been spec'd out and everything is like from the, the size of the file. And so I had to like manually because I wasn't using InDesign properly, like readjust the size of the book oh. in the 15 minutes while the courier was coming to pick up the zip drive or whatever. It was Jeez.
1: How long is the book? <laughs> it's
0: a big, stupid book. <laughs> there was a lot this of is... like margin adjustment very quickly. Oh, God. I mean, that's just, I, I, I think I'm a little bit I'm better about these things now and I work in mediums that offer more affordance than I used to but um yeah the details I was never I was never very detail oriented as a systems designer <laughs> <laughs> It's not a great. It's not a great
1: combo. Well, you, you, working in web, you you have the wonderful flexibility of oh this this is wrong. Well, we'll just fix it. That's exactly right. There's the, not the, a courier that's coming. The downside coming. to
0: it though is that it's like this is wrong and we can fix it forever. Yeah, I can always let you know that something uh-huh. is wrong. I can always have you fix it. Ah, uh, well, welcome to why
1: I'm trying to get out of
0: web. Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot to it. Not my it's, favorite. part It's of a it. curse. Yeah, it haunts you like a ghost. Yeah, I've gotten so much better at telling people that i'm not available now it's so much better and trying to find them people that can do it it's one of the reasons that as a stu- the studio model that we had was not viable in the long run because of the amount of maintenance work that we were doing you just can't like if you're going to be small you can't get bogged down with maintenance work or else that's all you end up doing
1: you're running rumors you're you're working at verso and you moved to Portland. Mm-hmm. What inspired that? Oh, my wife went, got a PhD at OHSU, and oh, so, that'll do it. Yeah,
0: this is a good place. Yeah, it's an okay place. Yeah, I like Portland now. At the time, I was miserable, but <laughs> I've come around to it. it. Took me a few years. I'll be honest. Um, I did not want to leave New York, and I didn't want to leave the like New York design infrastructure that it, had supported me and that I I had built up around me.
1: Yeah. And it was
0: it it was really hard to adjust. It definitely like changed the arc of my career, but not necessarily in a bad way. It just it just changed the kind of work I would be doing and how I would
1: do it. As great as Portland is design wise, it's still small oh, yeah. in a way that well, New York fundamentally is not. It doesn't have the money there's
0: not like a client base with money yeah Um, you don't have cultural institutions you don't have big businesses I mean you have Nike Nike is primarily like you know if if you're in town and Nike likes your work they're gonna try to bring you in house like it doesn't offer the same support structure when you're a more established designer there's not the same space to adjust what you're doing and still work in Portland yeah
1: but things are more remote now anyway so you know, a lot of that calculations change. Yeah, we're kind of a placeless society increasingly. Yeah, even though there's weird thrashing trying to stop that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, I feel like we're going to look back on this particular time ten years from now and go, "What were we? Why were we throwing such a fuss about being in person again?" Yeah, yeah, I don't. We all need to be in the same conference room. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Now we're really getting work done. I think there's a... I can smell my co-worker. I think there's like a binary
0: where like you're either... It makes sense to work together or not work together. But if you're not going to work together, the entire culture has to be structured around not working in the same space. Yeah. And the like in-betweenness of some places and the attempt to have both is... Um, not going to foster a healthy environment, especially for people who are trying to make their way in from the outside, so to speak. It is going to continue to build like informal power of people who know how to operate within that, and newer people and people who are trying to break into that industry are going to have a much harder time. But I generally don't know. I'm not going to start another studio anytime soon. If I did it, it would have to have like a really obscenely sound like business model and structure in place. It's just exhausting running a design studio with out to seven people. It's a lot of like scrambling to make sure that you can scramble another day.
1: Yeah, I mean the small studio model is like you don't have your little slice of the pie. You are doing everything. You are making the pie. Yeah, (laughs) the pie is yours to make. Yeah, and there's a lot of fun with
0: that. And there's also like, especially as I got older and my colleagues were getting older and we were all like trying to find a more sustainable way to like have a business like I wasn't going to I wasn't really able to commit to the kind of like business development and scale that would have been necessary to sustain growth of a certain kind. And so we, I mean, you know, I have just the utmost respect and uh, care, love for my former colleagues. And we talked about the, like at the end we had, we were working on a really big project for a magazine and it was like just getting started. And then the owner of the magazine fired the editor in chief and the Publisher oh, and so like everything sort of like was like, well, that's pulled out from under us, and so we had like four months of not having anything lined up, and we were like, you know, we could just stop, yeah. it was very exciting to stop. I never thought i I knew how to stop because it's like you're constantly stacking projects at different paces on top of one another, yeah, and then it being able to like be like, wait, we can stop was was um a wonderful feeling, frankly, and it's okay oh, it's yeah, okay to yeah, stop yeah. oh no, it was amazing. I was so happy to be able to stop in that manner and not in a sort of crisis mode. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. You don't want to be in the crisis mode. No. That's a bad time. Speaking of places I've been. Oh boy. So what were you working on when you got to Portland? Like what sort of like helped to bring you into, into town, into this community? Nothing.
0: It was all remote. Oh. All my work was in New York for years and has been for so long. I've never had a Portland client.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. That's wild. I've never. I There are a couple of things that came close, but like things are just moved at a different speed and would fall apart. My work was all New York, London, Los Angeles. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I'm did, an did you have the wall
1: of different clocks? Yeah, like, obviously, I did. At an airport in 1965. Yeah. Yep. You
0: know how I did it. And I had the different backgrounds that I would like slide behind me to make it look like I was in Mexico City right now talking to you locally, like
1: you're in Pee Wee Herman's <laughs> yes. uh, magical zoom machine. I
0: was effectively Pee Wee Herman. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't have any Portland clients. It wasn't. It wasn't quite. It never quite happened. So, um, I mean, I made. I got to know people in Portland through PSU primarily, and Kate, and then. You know, scaling from there, like rumors, eventually became sort of like
1: entrenched here. Yeah. No, we never had anyone here. That's so wild. Mm. In a way, you were you were working the way that we all have to. Yeah, (laughs) I've been working remotely forever. You're well prepared
0: for this environment. No,
1: it's uh, yeah, for
0: better and for worse.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I am. Um. So after rumors, what's what's your what's your next chapter? Um. I have done some work at a couple
0: agencies here and uh, one place called Uncorked and then a place called Upstatement in Boston um, as like a creative director. And I think, it, you know, there's just been a couple of years, but I'm, I've happily stepped away from agency work. I like the people I worked with and clients were interesting, but um, it's hard having run something to then being a like creative director in a mode that is, Purely about the client work. When yeah. so much of what I think about tends to be like what what you know what you call upstream, like how is work being done, and and you know how how are the problems being solved, sort of at the root. Um, and so I left Upstatement uh, this summer, and am transitioning into working in house somewhere. I've been talking to places that are different, like. Describing them different scales i guess like really big established companies and then smaller things and i think i'm more inclined towards the smaller things i think i'm probably a better fit to work in like a position of ambiguity than with like things already being solved i like solving the problems i don't like being responsible for like maintaining the solution Kind of like a fixer. <laughs> I think of myself as a good fit for a small group of people who are working really hard on something where they don't know what the answer is. That's my sweet spot. Yeah. And that's basically what I did as a studio. It's just now I'd like to do it and then grow the thing over time.
1: And have the company itself managing all the kind yes, of less God, pleasant yeah, parts. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, uh, and you have a very cool, like you built out like a reverse job. Oh, yeah.
0: My uh, reverse job posting.
1: Reverse job posting in Notion. Yeah, And yeah, it's yeah. like, it really does a great job of like articulating what you've done and like where you want to go. And... I had seen, there's an engineer that had done it. I didn't know them, but I had seen that they had made this thing and I
0: was a thing for themselves. And I was really taken by it because one of the hardest things I think about, I in some ways what I'm doing right now is a career change. I'm still in the same industry, right, and practicing the same skills that I've been yeah. building for a long time. But the model of running a studio versus like trying to find a design like lead you know head of design position somewhere like those are different communities yeah and so like one of the i think the hardest thing about that that kind of moment is introducing yourself as being more than like a cover letter or whatever or like a you know a handshake from somebody's like oh you should meet this person
1: or the the designer art director website that's just like sure text or images of my work
0: yeah and i've never been someone who i think i don't think the images of the work do a lot of justice to how i work and so writing this sort of intro about what i do and how and why i do it made more sense and was has been really warmly received and still is the thing that i like tends to be the first thing that i'll give to somebody if like somebody's like oh you should meet my friend I'll be like oh you should you know, read this if you want to know about me Yeah. it also cuts down on people who don't want what I do which is critical like I don't want to have to have conversations if we're not going to be a good fit <laughs> for each other <laughs> I like meeting people I like meeting thoughtful interesting people but like if it's going to be transactional and like you want to know if you're going to hire me like read the thing and just know that you don't want to yeah you know? there are absolutely companies that are like no you don't want to hire me
1: <laughs> <laughs> you don't okay, uh, you're better off it's such a smart thing, and I'm shocked that I haven't seen it more because, like, you are able to articulate that and, and get it out of the way and be really clear about, like, here are my strengths. Here's what I, th- I can do. I
0: think for someone with experience, it's I, it would not have made sense for me entering into, like, leaving school. I think when you leave school, the absolute best thing you can do is find your people and expand that. Like, who thinks in a way that is aligned with you and vice versa. Who do you enjoy talking to? How do you grow that community? Yeah. When I was younger, I thought networking was, you know, I had this sort of cartoonish vision of it as being like a <laughs> the go of a party and you hand out your card.
1: Uh-huh, to businessmen was, shaking, yeah, hands. shaking hands.
0: And I just, I hated the idea of it. And it also like gave me a certain amount of social anxiety. And I think of it now as being more like, no, I, I, I do want to know who, who's doing interesting work, who, who, and what is the community that I'm becoming a part of? And how do I like give to it and learn from it? And then everything else follows. Yeah. You, know, you, you you just build that and the rest of it follows. The other way to do it is if you are the sort of person who I am not, put work out into the world, do the work and then put it out and just keep doing that. And someone will notice. I could never motivate myself to do work like that. I have dear friends who have. Yeah. And that's how they started their career. I could not. I was absolutely about like working with other people.
1: A lot of times, though, that also feels like shouting into the void for...
0: Oh, it can. Years? Years,
1: it can. It definitely can.
0: But it helps clarify your voice if that's the kind of designer you're going to be. And eventually, there, it's, a, it's like a long game. It's hard to think about time in that way, but it can take a while before you find the thing that's comfortable for you. Yeah. Um, and before you before you understand what is comfortable for you, not just find it. Um, yeah. But if you're, I think, a more, if you have a career behind you already and you're trying to like expand what you're doing, like a forthright introduction to who you are and how you do it is very useful
1: Andy if people want to find more about you where do they find um, things about
0: you how do they I used to be so good about this they can follow me on Twitter but I tend not to talk about design they can Google me is really just Google me Andy Pressman <laughs> design I'm on a, I'm, a, I'm on things I go through bursts of productive engagement with the world and if you catch me on one of them, I'll be doing that for a while. And otherwise, I might look like <laughs> I'm sleeping for... Um, I, I like to sleep. I, I take a lot of naps on the internet.
1: You hibernate and then you, yeah, you explode out. Yeah, that's
0: how it feels. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Good morning!
0: Yeah, exactly. Hello, world.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so go find Andy and and go find the Notion site. Oh,
0: yeah. If you go to... If you look at the... Actually, that is a
1: thing that I think people would be interested in.
0: Yeah. And I, I wrote it partly because I thought it would be interesting for... If I had read someone else doing it, I would find it interesting. So if you go, if you look, if find me on Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash Andy Pressman, it is currently my pinned tweet. If you go and it's not there, it's because I don't want people to try to hire me anymore. I found a job. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but for now. So yeah, if if it's not there, it's, congratulations. Yeah, you won't.
0: If it's not there, it's because I don't want you to read it. But you should for the time being. <laughs> Go and look at it. It's very nice.
1: I mean, that's that's a fairly basic thing. If if like I if I withdraw a book, then yeah. I don't want anyone else to read it. It's yeah, my then book now. Gonna, now I'm like I'm going to hunt it down and read it for sure. <laughs> Save it. Hold on to it. Clutch it close to your your chest. Retweet. Yeah, retweet it. Yeah. it's on it's on the the tweeting service. Yes. Words, therefore. I, it's that's the whole it's main the, feature of the tweeting service it's in the consolidated space, go there and do all of your tweeting and reading <laughs> why did we settle on that as the consolidated space we could have come up with something so much better um,
0: the library
1: <laughs> the library of Alexandria it will last forever yeah. this is where I will put my jokes about farting <laughs> Um well thank you. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Sean. Uh thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. And thank you to the listener. If you enjoyed this show, hey, 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 hey. I know a thing you could do that would really help us out. Go on to the service that you use and uh rate us. Five stars if you can and leave a review. And also tell a friend, because uh word of mouth is the best way to spread this show. That is all we have. I am Sean Schumacher. This is Did I Do That? And as always, at the close of every episode, we say... Uh, This is design. This is design. Okay, bye. Beautiful, 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 beautiful.
0: Messages from Danielle about
1: my kitchen being ripped apart.
0: (laughs) Oh god. In a good way, I hope. Yeah, I mean in a known
1: way, but a stressful way. This is a tangible this isn't just like oh very localized hurricane. one of my favorites have you downloaded the new version of illustrator yet uh how new uh brand new no Get ready for the very first sponsored splash screen. Oh no! It is a ad for the Amazon Lord of the Rings series. Oh my God! No, no. I'm, I, but it's I, such a poor ad that it looks like it's for Captain Marvel. <laughs> like nobody was thinking about what the implications of any of these choices were. <laughs> I get. I've gotten so mad recently because of
0: the. Um, the way that they manage the like save to cloud save to your computer thing is just so
1: agreeable. i mean i don't, you know whatever
0: it's just it's just such trash
1: oh it, yeah the the fact that you have to like every fucking time they're like always it, it feels like you are you are confirming that yes yes i do want to fire repeatedly. a nuclear missile yeah, right, 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 to right, save to right. your computer Lift up the thing, hit the big button are you really sure get the keys do you understand the implications of this so then each time i save a file
0: i have to like re reconfirm that I want to fire the missile. I have to remember not to look away. I have to remember to keep my attention focused on this (laughs) thing.